so good to be together today. And I want to talk to you today just for a few minutes, hopefully, about give love. Give love. Really, the theme of today is about love. You've probably heard it said that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. For those of us who are married, we may have said, well, may have said, we would have said those words, I give you this ring as a sign of our marriage. All that I am, I give you. All that I have, I share with you. And of course, without love, those are just empty words. Loving equals giving. Uh, last Saturday, just over a week ago, uh, we celebrated, uh, we've got four sons. We celebrated my youngest son's 12th birthday. Uh, he's pretty chuffed because he's one of the oldest in the year going into a new secondary school. So that's quite a good thing. And uh, we were asking him in the days running up to his birthday, Theo, Theo, w- w- what do you want for your birthday? And we kept asking him this question, and he couldn't come up with any ideas. I mean, talk about first world problem. <laughs> and I was like, Theo, you know, what do you want? And I realized over the days, you know, because I kept asking him, and I thought, oh, he's, he's going to come up with something. I was getting sort of more and more stressed inside. I was thinking, why am I getting stressed? It's like it's his birthday. And I suddenly realized it's because I love him so much. I want to show the extent of my love for him through the gifts that I buy him for his birthday. And uh, it's the same for all my boys. It's even the same for Emily. (laughs) Actually, I asked Emily the other day, Emily, what would you like for Christmas? And she had this huge long list. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm so grateful. If anybody has a connection with Temple Spa, that would be amazing. I want them to know how much I love them through my giving. Giving is an active demonstration of our love. And ultimately, that's what God has shown to each one of us. The most precious thing, the most important thing that you can give today is to give your life to Jesus. If you're watching online today, maybe you're here today, it's your first time in church. Maybe you've, you've not started that relationship with Jesus Start today. This could be your day to see your life completely changed, to give your life to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God is generous. Generosity is in his nature. He's he's written it somehow into the fabric of our universe. And in our growth as Christians, we want to become more like him. And you're never more like God than when you're giving. I heard a story recently about a young eight-year-old boy. And uh, he'd sort of quite poor. He'd grown up in the inner city and didn't have very much at all. And one day he was looking into a shop window. It was a shoe shop. And he was looking sort of hopefully and expectantly. And he was just standing there. It was a pretty cold day, you know, poorly dressed. Didn't actually have any shoes on. He was just barefoot. And as he was standing there, this woman came up and stood behind him and said, well, what, what are you doing? And this little boy said, well, actually, I'm, I'm praying. And, and I'm asking God for a new pair of trainers. 
And without hesitation, this, this woman, she sort of grabbed his hand and whisked him into the shoe shop and said, look, choose three pairs of trainers. And he was completely blown away. It did, you know, nothing like this had ever really happened to him. And uh, she was like, no, no, go for it, go for it. So he chose three pairs of trainers and he put them on and he was standing there and he was just so overwhelmed. He had tears flowing down his face. And he said to the woman, lady, can I ask you a question? And she said, yeah. He said, are you God's wife? <laughs> you see, you are never more like God than when you're giving. And today we are particularly talking about our financial giving as an expression of love. Love for God, first and foremost. Love for his people, his church, and love for our city. Love for those in need. Love for those who need our help. And that's really the context of this passage here in 2 Corinthians 8. The Apostle Paul, he's, he's fundraising for one of the church plants in Jerusalem. They've been going through a severe trial, persecution, poverty. And he's appealing to one of the larger churches, the church in Corinth, the resource church of the time. And he's saying, will you give? And in order to make that appeal, he's using the example, the inspiration of the much, much smaller Macedonian churches. And you know, one of the things I love about this passage is really just Paul's confidence and boldness to talk about money. I have to confess, I, I find it sometimes a little bit awkward. I've been stressing so much about today. Oh, I've got to talk about money, and we're all quite English, and you know, we're Anglicans in the Church of England, and we don't really like talking about it. And, and I recognize that money is a, it's a sensitive subject. I really, really do understand that. Sometimes, of course, the church is criticized for talking too much about money. Maybe there's a danger that we're moving into some kind of prosperity gospel. But actually, I wonder if it's because money is such a sensitive issue that Jesus decided to talk about money so much. His famous words like, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, pouring, running over. With the measure you use, that's the measure that will be given to you, 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus told were about money and possessions. In the whole of the biblical text, there's over 2,000 verses about money. See, money isn't just a practical issue. It's a theological issue. It's a spiritual issue. And I really love what Paul says here to the church in verse 8. He says, I'm not, I'm not commanding you. He says, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. In another translation, it talks about proving the authenticity of their love. And I would want to say the same today as your, as your pastor. I'm not commanding you, as if I could command you. You know, nobody is under any obligation to do anything. I don't want anyone to go away today and go, oh, they laid that on a bit thick. Nobody has to give anything. But actually, I want you, first and foremost, to grow in love. And I want you, as your pastor, to be encouraged and to experience the blessing of giving. And I know so many of you are giving. 
And so many of you have experienced that blessing of giving. I know that I've experienced that blessing of giving. I've experienced the generosity of others. And I, to be honest, I look back over the years that this church, since it was planted in 1987, 33 or 34 years ago, just look at the faithfulness of the people who've given and the blessing that has been poured out as a result. So many of you giving regularly. But I'm conscious that it's not everyone. And as I've said already, you know, if you're not giving regularly today, may I encourage you to do so. Maybe start today. And there's really two reasons why. Firstly, the more we give, the more we're able to do. The more impact we can have on the people around us, the more need that we can meet, the more help that we can give, the greater strength we can have as a church. But secondly, and more importantly, is that we as individuals will be blessed spiritually. We know that generosity in somehow, but it breaks the chains of materialism on our lives. It actually brings freedom into our lives. The truth is that my spiritual need to give money to the church is much, much greater than the church's financial need to receive it. And I think fundamentally these are some of the principles that this Macedonian church, they, they knew, they knew these things. And that was why they were so keen to give. They considered it a privilege. That was why Paul raised them up as an example and an inspiration to the Corinthian church. So what can we learn from how they gave? Just three very quick things. First thing we can learn is that we're to give joyfully. Verses 1 and 2, it says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Money can often be a, a stressful part of life. Perhaps the anxiety of providing for the family, uh, paying the bills, making sure that what comes in doesn't necessarily not equal what's going out. Uh, actually, just this week, we knew that Giving Sunday was coming up. Emily and I were sitting around the kitchen table looking at our finances. And uh, I must confess, Emily's so much better than that than me. She's got a handle on all the electronic stuff. And she said to me, oh, Martin, do you know we've got... Um, X amount in our account until the end of the month. And I sort of did that thing where you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Bit of a sort of deep breath. And I don't say that because I'm like, oh my gosh, we're struggling. You know, but actually, it's, it's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? Money can be a stressful subject. But what I love about these Macedonian Christians, it said in spite of their circumstances, they had overflowing joy. We've been in horrendous circumstances, been challenged financially in so many different ways, individually, as a society. And yet what they demonstrate here is that there's overflowing joy. Verse 4 says that they considered it a privilege to give. Often we can think that making money, chasing it, spending it, saving it, that's what will bring us joy and happiness. But actually, it's the reverse that's true. It's being generous with our money, that brings joy. It frees us. Why? Because money is not the meaning of life. It's the means to life. Money is the means by which we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. 
And that's why our giving today, it should be a, a time of celebration, of joyful giving. The Apostle Paul says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is hilarious. We're to be hilarious givers, giving it away. So that's the first thing, we're to give joyfully. Secondly, we're to give sacrificially. The Macedonian churches, they were famous for their generosity because they gave sacrificially. Verse 2 and 3 says, they welled up in generosity. I love that picture. It's like their generosity is just sort of bubbling up. It, it's overflowing in their lives. It's, it's as if, like a champagne bottle. It's as if it's like about to burst out. They just, they can't wait to give. It says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. The message version of that translation says more than they could afford. I found that super challenging when I read that. And, and I don't actually want to condone that anybody should give more than they can afford in the sense of if it gets you into financial difficulties. But I'm still at the same time as saying that, pretty challenged by what it says here. That these poor Macedonian Christians, they gave more than they could afford. They were so generous. And I guess it begs the question, well, how much, how much should we give? Of course, some people talk about tithing. That Old Testament principle where the people of God, they were commanded to give 10% of kind of their first fruits, 10% of their total income to God. And we recognize that that's a great principle. Jesus talked about tithing. But actually, we're no longer under law. We're now under grace. But what that doesn't mean is that we do away with the law and give even less. Actually, I think the early Christians, when they discovered that they were under this new grace, they said, actually, well, we wouldn't give less than 10%. And when you're wondering about, well, how much should I give? Maybe, maybe that 10% is a good starting point. As I said earlier, that's what Emily and I do. And it's this grace that they've experienced. Verse 1 says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given. They knew about grace. That's why they were able to give so sacrificially. Like the woman who came before Jesus with that alabaster jar of perfume worth about a year's wages. She just broke it open. It's so extravagant, so sacrificial in her offering. Some people saw it and they thought, oh, what a waste. What a waste to give that much to Jesus. But actually, he said that she'd done a beautiful thing, and it will be remembered. And we're still talking about it today. And I know that this idea of sort of sacrificial giving is the same for me as it is for you. Sometimes you hear it, and you go, oh, yeah, I've got to give sacrificially. But sometimes I think it's more helpful to think about it in terms of spending levels. And uh, I don't want to be sexist at this moment, but uh, just to all the men for a moment who've ever bought flowers. Have you ever done that? Maybe buying flowers for a, a gift or your wife. We've got some decisions to make, haven't we, when we have some money to spend. And the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, well, where do I want to spend my money? And if you're like me, you kind of, you know, the petrol station is the first place that comes into your mind because you think, okay, there's flowers. That's good. There's flowers. 
And then you think, oh, actually, no, 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 no. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't give at that level because actually what I want to show is something different. So, and, and then you find yourself in Tesco getting a meal deal. And you think, oh, I still haven't got the flowers yet. And, and then you see where all the flowers are lined up. And you think, oh, oh, yeah, maybe Tesco's. Maybe that's the place where I go and buy my flowers. You know, maybe that level of spending is, is where I want to give it. And, and then, of course, you think, oh, no, actually... You know, I know Emily, if she found out it was from the petrol station or from Tesco, she, she really wouldn't be happy with me. And, and, and actually, I want to show my love to her. So, so what I do next, I then go into M&S. You know, because that's a bit of a, you know, we know, don't we? That there's a hierarchy in the high street. And then I find myself in M&S and I think, oh, but these are good. But Waitrose is just over the road. And, and, and they might have, and Emily might get the weight, and she might think that that's, you know, and, and actually as I'm thinking about these flowers, I'm thinking, well, what, what I want these flowers to represent is how, how, how much worth I'm willing to put on someone or, or something, or the value that I place. And of course, then I'm in, I'm in Waitrose, and I'm looking at the flowers, I'm thinking, wow, gosh, you know, was five pounds, four ninety-nine. They always do it like four ninety-nine rather than five pounds, don't they? And, you know, oh, there's 10, and then there's 15. And, and then this, this thing pops into my mind. And if you live locally, you'll know this. You, you suddenly start having this thing as a husband which says, flower stall on the North Court Road. And you suddenly realize that, that that's taking you right up into the level of spending. And at, at that moment, you think, oh, that, oh, that's a bit more sacrificial. But then I find myself walking to the North Court Road, not every time, but sometimes, I just want to show Emily that I love her. And you know, it's all about the amount of worth or the value. And I walk out. And of course, what does she receive when she gets those flowers? She knows that it's an expression of my love for her. She doesn't go, oh, you wasted the money on me. You were way too sacrificial. She responds and she receives it. And it makes a difference. You might feel today that you haven't got much to give. Of course, with our spending, we're making those choices in all sorts of different ways for different reasons, maybe out of necessity. But actually, the things that we spend our money on is what we value, what we put worth on. Oh, I love Nando's. So I find myself in Nando's, giving Nando's my money. Oh, I love cycling. I'm suddenly on the line looking at bikes. You know, it's like, wow, I love bikes. You know, it's, it's what we value that we give our money to. But you might feel like, actually, I, I haven't got much to give. But think of the impact that we could have if we all gave together, sacrificially. Giving to him. So we give joyfully, we give sacrificially, and the third thing is that we give worshipfully. I'm not sure that person likes my message very much. Um, you know, the generosity of the Macedonian church, it was first and foremost their worship. Verse 5, it says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. Our financial giving is first an act of worship. Before it's an offering towards mission, it's for the audience of one, it's our response to who God is, what he's done for us. And the Apostle Paul, he says, 
I'm doing this to test the sincerity of your love. It comes from a place of love, that 1 Corinthians 13. You can give all of this, but if you don't have love, it's just a resounding gong. And of course, the Apostle Paul holds up the ultimate example of worship, of generosity, of service in Jesus. In verse 9, he says, "Through Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave himself away so that we might receive his love. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what it was to give joyfully, even in the midst of struggle. And as a result of his death on the cross, his love, his spirit is poured out. And that's what we see throughout the New Testament. In Acts, the Holy Spirit comes. His love is poured into their hearts. And what do they do? They receive that and then they start demonstrating it to all the people around them. That's the mission that God has given the church, to see lives transformed, our community and our city transformed, even our nation transformed. The love of God poured out so that we also might pour his love out on others. And what did they see as a result of the demonstration of their love? They saw people added to their number daily. It said that there was no one among them who was in need. No one hungry, no one without clothes or provision. Isn't that what we long to see in our city? We don't want to see referrals to the food bank. We don't want anyone to be in need. We don't want to, be, to see anyone who's unemployed. And we can make a difference as the church. That's the vision that we have here to see our city rise, transformed through Alpha, through Food Bank, through Spear, through all these different ministries that we're doing here, the activities that are taking place from this church. Only when all of us together are involved in giving, our prayer is that Jesus will be glorified in our nation again. In Jesus' name, amen.